Have a seat, guys. Good morning. Go Chiefs. I hear one Broncos fan go, oh, I'm going to scream. Let's see Raiders fan. Who's a Raiders fan? Any Raiders fan here? All right, good. We got guys, people in the house. That's good. All right, excellent. Excellent. Hey, a couple quick things. Uh, Charlie reminded me about some uh, community events going on. You know that we are about like serving the community, helping the community, doing that kind of thing. We got some uh, uh, town hall meeting. By the way, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a request, Charlie. Since Charlie's like uh, one of the political uh, juggernauts of Edgerton, I uh, want you to uh, see if you can maybe reschedule some of these because Judy and I are going through Citizens Academy at the sheriff's office. It's like Tuesday, Saturday, really both. We're supposed to be driving driving police cars on Saturday and everything else. So. Oh, well, that's all right. And I got, I got like triple booked on Tuesday. It's crazy. So, but we'll figure it out. Tuesday, 630 uh, at Town Hall. Is that right? See, I said it's at Edgerton Elementary, right? Edgerton Elementary. I wrote Town Hall for some reason. Uh, Edgerton Elementary, 6th Town Hall meeting. Thank you. Yes. Uh, not at City Hall. At Edgerton Elementary, 630 on Tuesday, we have a Town Hall meeting. Um, Wednesday, there is a senior dinner at City Hall. That's where I got confused there. My bad. And that's at noon, which is a great way to connect with, with different people in the, in the, it's just awesome. And then Manor Park on Saturday the 19th at Manor Park, which is on First and Martin. Uh, it was going to be a, kind of a gathering of folks, kind of want to, want to take, take a look at Manor Park, get some ideas, that kind of thing. And then, um, and that is what time? I didn't get that. 9 to 11. 9 to 11. Awesome. And then uh, there is a correction on the uh, video, uh, the announcement video. Um, that's one thing we were talking about, just like on Dumb and Dumbers, there's no take backs, no races once you do the video. But uh, the, the next serve Saturday is in two Saturdays from now. So it's on September 26th, not in August, because that's like a year away, right? Okay, just want to make sure we knew that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We got the slide up. But that's September, is that 26th, the Saturday? Um, not, yeah, so it's two Saturdays, so not next Saturday, but the following Saturday, we're going to be painting a guy's house, and um, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. So it's going to be going to be pretty cool, man. And uh, it's a guy that uh, is a, a, a longtime Edgerton resident, it's a crossing guard, uh, senior. Him, him and his wife are just just beautiful people. Uh, need, I mean, they have some medical issues, that kind of thing. So we're going to actually paint their house. It's in need, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, kind of what's going on. But anyway, we'll meet here at nine o'clock on the twenty sixth, not a year from now. Okay, cool. All right, which is, we, can, we, we mean a year from now, too. Go ahead and schedule it, uh, but it, but it'll, that is pretty cool. So, um, Guys, as you know, we've been going through the story, and I think, uh, I think I've, I've got, got a couple visitors here today, which is awesome. Uh, my name is Casey. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, New City Church, and man, welcome, everybody. If you haven't um, been here before, uh, my apologies. If you, it's it's kind of like one of those things. Um, I'm a weirdo, man, and you're gonna hear, you're gonna see this here in a second. You'll be like, that guy's kind of strange the way he uh, way he looks at scripture and stuff. But it's God's fault, not mine. And uh, one of the things I'll tell you is that my uh, my uh, schedule changed a little bit uh, over the last couple weeks. So since the last time that I preached, I get up now really early. Sometimes four o'clock, five o'clock. If I really hit the snooze a couple of times, 5.30. But I will tell you, this is kind of weird because God speaks differently to me at 4 o'clock in the morning than he does at 8 o'clock in the morning. Amen? And I'll be like, yeah, that's right, man. So it's just kind of one of those things. So this is a product of what you're going to hear. It's a product of very early morning, absolutely no distractions, first thing coffee, haven't even like, like stepped into any kind of media yet. So it's kind of, a, kind of a, an interesting take on stuff. But as you guys know, we've been going through this thing called the story. We're in chapter 12. 
can't believe we've been going through this for almost like three months or so. It's kind of like we just started still. We're in chapter 12 of the story. And what the story is, is not a replacement of the Bible, but it's an abridged version of the Bible. It's written in chronological order. And we'll kind of, kind of see a little bit of that today. So what we want everybody to do is get the storybook and read the story and kind of keep up with us. We're in chapter 12. The kids downstairs did chapter 12 last week, so we took a break from it up here. We're catching back up with the kids. They're downstairs partying right now, which is totally cool. Um, so get that, read that, kind of keep up, and come hear the message on Sunday morning too. We want you to be here. We want you to hear it. We want you to, to listen to what's kind of what's going on and, and kind of gather that. Join in on the story group, which we said on the video, which is now Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Uh, not Mondays anymore. It's now Tuesdays at 7 o'clock, um, uh, starting this week. And Pete is going to be giving the, uh, facilitating. If you think he's great at work, uh, at, at facilitating and leading us in worship, um, he's great. He's shaking his head. No, don't, don't, don't build it up. All right, never mind. He's terrible. It's awful. You shouldn't come. You should come see the train wreck. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> That's my brother. You're supposed to be able to give each other a hard time, right? <laughs> we were quoting in front of everybody, uh, Buddy the Elf stuff, so it's all right, it's all good. Joining on the study uh, story group, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, discuss this stuff with the family during the week. We want you to be able to, to articulate things and help the family grow since the kids and the, everybody's doing it at the same time. Share with other people. We've got several opportunities I've talked to you guys about that you have actually an opportunity to share what you're learning with other people. That doesn't mean, you know, I think you always think it's kind of weird to, to, for, I'm, I'm not saying if the Holy Spirit says for you to do this, totally cool, man. Go up to somebody, you know, you don't know, and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. I always thought it was kind of made me feel kind of awkward, you know what I mean? But, but it's kind of one of those things. But if you get, engage in your community, engage in our city, right, and start to learn, for, I mean, start, and, and as you're learning stuff, you're walking with God all the time, you'll introduce people to those you're walking with, Amen. I mean, don't you think it's weird? Wouldn't you think it's weird if me and Charlie are hanging out, walking down the city street of Edgerton, a friend of mine walks up, and he says, hey, Casey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, and I ignore Charlie. I'm like, hey, how you doing, man? No, no, you don't know. You know. It would be kind of rude, right? Charlie like, why don't you introduce me, man? Well, if we're walking and talking with God all the time, we're going to do the same thing. You catch what I mean? So we're going to do that kind of thing. And as we learn the story, as we learn the Bible, as we go through this series, man, and we've talked about things like creation and Noah and the flood, and, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Judges, man, I mean, the, and Ruth, which was crazy, and Samuel, and Saul, we talked to him a couple weeks ago, and Matt talked a couple weeks ago about, about young David, by the way, was Matt, the, the couple weeks ago, Matt in the house, whoo, last week, we had the video series with Rachel Moyes, incredible, and this week, we're going to talk about King David. Which is why you have on the sign King. Because it says, I mean, because Saul, when he was first, I mean, if we, we heard you know, a few weeks ago, Saul was kind of a jacked up, messed up appointee, if you will. Samuel was the last judge, and, and he, he appointed, appointed King, King Saul, right? He was like the prettiest guy in all the land. And King Saul officially, or, or initially, was kind of a humble guy. And he said, yeah, you know, but after a while he said, you know, I'm king, man. I should put, uh, make up like monuments to myself and stuff. And then young David comes, comes on the scene and he's like the anointed one because Saul starts getting jacked up. Saul starts messing with David. He starts actually wanting to try, to try to kill young David, right? And so here's what we know about David. One of the things we know is what Samuel 
is telling King Saul about him. And in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, King Saul, or, or, or Samuel tells King Saul this about David. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So after his own what? Heart. Right? This is a guy who wants to pursue God. A guy who sees God's upper story and wants to align our, our lower plan, our lower story with, with his. And see, and David ruled, and in 1 Kings 15, 5, and I wanted to clarify this because this came up in story group a couple of weeks ago, that, that the guy Gary Frazee, who, who, who uh, does the narration for the story group DVD, partially did a verse which drives me bananas. I'm not trying to be critical of my brother, but it drives me bananas for anybody to make a point over a partial verse. It just it doesn't make sense, and it, can, and it really kind of messed us up because here's what he said. He said, for David, in 1 Kings 15, 5, had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life. That's where he ended it, on the DVD. And so, I, I didn't think to like look it up myself. I was like, hey guys, I, we, we got a little issue here, don't we? Because is the Bible wrong? It's not, no, it's not, absolutely it's not. And so we had to, because we didn't, and and we actually got, like, started talking about something else. We started talking about something else. We never actually got back to that verse. And what I did, I, I emailed everybody and texted everybody and Facebooked everybody that I could think of. and said, hey, here's what the Scriptures actually say. It says all that, except it, sa- it continues on. Except in the case of Uriah the Hittite, which we're going to talk about now. So David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, had a heart after his, had a heart like, uh, it was a man after God's own heart, a man who pursues God. And so, for me, the, the temptation uh, to go into a, a message like this is to talk about Uriah the Hittite and Bathsheba and, and all that kind of stuff that a lot of us know, man, this is where David got jacked up, messed up, murder, adultery, like busted out the top ten within a matter of a couple of chapters. It's just crazy, right? And we are going to talk a little bit about that, but for me, when I'm looking at what God wants me to say at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning... He's wanting me to talk about three people that are around David. And I'm going to talk about these three people, but I want you guys to help me participate in this. I'm going to call this guy over here as one of David's counterparts, one of David's advisors, one of David's uh, military guys named Abishai. Can you say that? Abishai, right over here. Over here. What? You were in the first service. Who was it? <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> How'd you know? Just look at my notes. right? Joab. Say it again. Joab, awesome, yeah. So we got who? Abishai, who we got over here? Joab, all right, cool. Whoa, who's in the first serve? What? <laughs> Very nice, all right. Pay attention, people. Nah, and Nathan, you got it. Nathan is the third guy. That's fantastic. I love this family. I love this family. It's so awesome. See, because here's the deal. Even the best Christians, even the most astounding Christians, even the most wonderful people need other followers around. You can start filling out your bulletins if you like. Because how many times you hear people say, I don't need church. Shoot. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I don't need church. Well, I, I question people that, you know, I'm not judging their souls or anything. But I question people that would say things like that, whether they're saved or not. I don't need it. Shoot. Read my Bible. Watch Joel Osteen on TV. Man, that's all I need, right? 
Here's the problem. When Joel Osteen goes off and Girls Gone Wild comes on, who are you going to call? Yeah, because it, it, it ain't Ghostbusters, right? I mean, Ghostbusters don't take that call. Bro, I'm in trouble. Bro, I'm tempted. You, you ain't got no church, right? Ring, ring. Man, Dr. Charles Stanley, that was a great sermon. I'm going to start reading my Bible. Hello? You have cancer. Who are you going to call? You ain't got no church. And Ghostbusters don't take that call. Oh, man, hey, listen, don't come in tomorrow. Uh, man, man, you don't have a job no more. Ghostbusters don't take that call. Or, you know, even good stuff. Like, hey, I, congratulations, man, you, you got a promotion. Man, that thing you thought was going to happen that was going to be a tragedy, guess what? It's not there anymore. Who are you going to call? Hey, church, guess what? Woo! I got nobody to celebrate. I got no church. I got nobody. You see how crazy the thought process? You want something great, man. But in Galatians, Paul writes to a, a wonderful, a really kind of a cool church, but they, they're suffering with all kinds of different things like legalism. But, but listen to what he says. In Galatians 6, 1 through 2, he says, Brothers and sisters, Notice what he says. Who's he calling? It's just like family or something, right? It's kind of weird. He's going to say, shoot, I don't need no family. You can never be born without one. Isn't that wild? If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person how? Oh, with a bony finger of indignation pointed in their face. I can't believe you got drunk last night. You're going to go straight at right now. I didn't say that. But watch yourselves or you also may be what? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Those who say, I don't need church, I don't need to be a part of a church, are those who say, I will not fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that weird? And they're saying, I'm Christian, I'm grown, I'm saved, but I'm not going to do what God says. doesn't make any sense to me, right? Hebrews 10, 24, and and let us consider how we may spur ourselves toward love and good deeds, right? No, it says one another other people how may uh, per, how, how you may spur yourself toward no 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 ecclesiastes 4 9 through 1 9 through 12 says two are better than one right one is better than two it's good to go solo right no no because they have a good return for their labor if either one of them falls down one can help the other up but pity the fool no that's mr t sorry pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's why we don't go at night in the hood by ourselves, right? Spiritually and physically speaking. But we're not supposed to judge, are we? I mean... I mean, that's what I always, I had a tenant of mine, you know, you guys know I've been a landlord for, you know, about 15 years or so, had a tenant of mine look me square in the eye and say, you ain't supposed to judge me. You think you're all that, right? I was like, well, you ain't paid rent in several months and you sell crack out of your apartment. But what am I supposed to do, right? It's not a matter of me judging your soul, but it's a matter of having good judgment. Bob Marley said it like this, who are you to judge the life I live? I, I am not perfect and I don't have to be. Before you start pointing fingers Make sure your hands are clean. Sounds like good advice, right? Uh, Don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. Don't judge someone 
just because they sin differently than you. That's kind of a kind of an interesting one, right? I mean, that sounds like good good advice, I guess. And of course, you got to bring the minions in, right? Don't judge me. I was born to be awesome, not perfect, right? And that sounds like good advice. Sounds like good human advice. Sounds like good sounds like good things you can live by. I could put that on my dashboard and yep, that sounds right. But let's look at what Jesus actually said. I mean, the guy that I mean, Bob Marley's still like dead, isn't he? He didn't rise from the dead, right? He didn't. No? No? Couldn't smoke enough weed, I guess. Okay. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And those who love to smoke weed love to stop right there. Right? Not judging. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is this plank in your own eye? In other words, you got this problem, bro. And you're looking at your brother going, man, you need to take care of that little speck, right? And you got this big old board hanging out of you. He's like, like, deal with that, right? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then ignore your brother's speck. Is that what it says? No, he says, take the plank out of your eye, be upright like David was upright, had a man after his own, after God's own heart, be that kind of person, deal with the sin, deal with the issues that you've got between you and God, deal with those things, man, make sure that you are not a hypocrite, then you will what? See clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We are supposed to deal with those things. I've heard preachers say, we're not supposed to... Hey, if you're sinning, that's none of my business. If you're sinning, that's not my issue. If you're sinning, that's, I'm not going to judge you. If you're, seriously, that's not what he said. In fact, over and over and over in the scriptures, it talks about bringing up one another up. You know, so, so he does say, deal with that speck in your brother's eye. Who do we got over here? Who do we got over here? Joab, who do we got right here? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Abishai real quick. 1 Samuel 26, 7 through 11. And this is as King Saul was pursuing David and trying to kill him. It says this, so, so David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Kind of stupid if you ask me, but <laughs> Saul was never considered smart. Um, Abner and his soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, today God has delivered you, your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. It reminds me of that, that Dumb and Dumber scene where, Dumb and Dumber come up a lot today. It's a great movie. Um, Dumb and Dumber scene. She's like, come on, man, don't let me do it. I'll just, you don't have to know about it. He's like, no, no, no. You don't kill people you don't know. That's a rule, right? You remember, remember that scene? With, excellent cinematic masterpiece. We'll keep on moving. David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, oh, oh sorry, wrong page. With one, I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a, hands on, uh, a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's go. So in other words, 
Let God handle this stuff, Abishai. Abishai's like, God, come on, man. It's your time, baby. You gonna let him punk you out like that? You ain't gonna let him do that to you. He's trying to kill you, dog. He says, let God handle it. 2 Samuel 16, 5 through 12. This is during Absalom's revolt, which is David's own son is revolting against his dad. Says as King David approached Bahiram, a man from the same clan of Saul's family came out of there, and, and his name was Shimei, son of Gera. I think that's how you pronounce it. And he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. Can you imagine President Obama getting pelted with stones and called, man, this would be, you'd be like taken out, right? As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the house of Saul, in whose place you, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of, of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Wow. Then Abishai. Who's that? Abishai. Son of Zeruiah said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse the Lord, my king? You going to let him punk you like that, man? Let him go over and cut, let's go, let me go over and cut off his head. The king said, what does that have to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? Is, if he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjaminite? Or Benjamite. Leave him alone. Let him curse. The Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery today and restore me to his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. In other words, let God handle it. May he see what's happening to me and may it be a blessing later on down the line. But if I do something, Abishai, then I get in God's way. See, Abishai disagreed with David. And sometimes that's okay, right? It's okay to, it's not, we're not looking for like people to, you know, just always agree with us, right? The leaders in the church, leaders of anything, really, if you're a good leader, you're not looking for the yes men all the time, right? It's good to have people that are, that may disagree or look at things differently, that kind of thing. But Abishai disagreed with David when David agreed with God, right? So, I mean, here's Abishai saying, no, David, no, David, this isn't right. David agrees with God, who's Abishai disagreeing with. He's disagreeing with God. Now let's go to this guy here, right? Jo- who? Joab. Joab. All right, Joab. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 17. And this is where it gets serious, man. This is where the fall of David happens. It said, in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Look, listen, look at that. Go back one second. Sherry, I'm sorry. In the spring at the times when kings go off to war, but David remained in Jerusalem. Here's the first problem of David. He wasn't where he's supposed to be. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. 
Now she was purifying herself from a monthly uncleanness and and she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab, send him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, which I think is very interesting. He's like, hey, Joab doing okay? Right? You don't know anything, right? How the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master servants and did not go down to his house. In other words, what David's trying to do is say, hey, Uriah, go sleep with your wife. You've been in battle. Uh, it'll look like you made her pregnant rather than me, right? David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Are you too good for your home? No, sorry. Happy Gilmore reference. Uriah said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah are staying in tents and my commander Joab, right? I've lost my place. My commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house and eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Then David said to him, stay here one more day. And tomorrow I will send you back. I've got to develop a plan. This is going to be bad. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that, next, that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his map among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to... One more time. Joab. And sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So, while had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. In other words, Joab looks at David and said, Sure, man, you're the boss. Sure, man, whatever you say. I'm just following orders. What would have happened, man? Could, could some of this have been avoided if Joab had been man enough to say, David, this is wrong. David, this is not right. David, please. Dude, seriously. I know things are bad, but... Dude, this is not right. Don't continue down this. What would it have been like? Joab's like, yep. It's cool. Because Joab was a yes man. He was a yes man. Whatever you say, bud, you're so pretty. Right? And, and interestingly enough, if you keep reading on like first, first Kings, like the first couple of chapters, Joab later betrays David and gets executed for his betrayal. Because he's, he's just, man, he's just a Whatever. Joab was agreeable with David, which isn't always a bad thing, but in this case, it was when God disagreed with David. So we got Abishai, you with me? Who's, who's this guy over here, right? He's like disagreeable with David when David agrees with God. This guy is like, who's this? He's agreeable with David when David's disagreeable with God. So who are we going to talk about now? 
Nathan. Nathan. He's a prophet, an advisor to David. He, he, he's not a guy that's, that's always negative or always positive. He's a guy that, that basically gives the news of, that is correct that David needs to hear. He even announces plans of the Lord to David, about the kingdom of David, about David's son, those kinds of things, right? But in 2 Samuel 12, 1-13, the who? The Lord sent Nathan to David, meaning that Nathan is a guy that's aligning himself with God's plan, right? Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it. And it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor, to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Listen to this. David burned with anger against the man. Man's not even real. And said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, that man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Not, not, you are the man. You are the man I'm talking about. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight for all Israel. And before we continue on, for most of us, for most of us, we expect David to go, man, come on, Nathan, you don't understand, bro. Man, I was, I was tempted, man. Man, she was pretty up there, man. She was, golly, dude, you saw her? You saw, she's hot, bro. What am I supposed to do, just argue and just do nothing? But David, man, or, or Nathan, you don't understand, man. Uh, dude, if, if, if this comes out, if I don't kill Uriah, they're going to trash me in the, in the, in the newspapers. They're going to they're gonna arrest me or something, man. They're going to overthrow. You don't understand, man. This is, I'm doing this for God, bro. David, you don't understand, man. Don't, 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 be, don't be judging me. He didn't say any of that stuff. David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. What a man. No excuses. No rationalizing, no any of that. He looks at David, or he looks at Nathan. David looks at Nathan and says, it's the Lord I've sinned. And my question to us, man, I'm going to kind of bring this to a, to a close before we finish up what the results of this is. We, 
know that out of all this stuff, King Solomon eventually is born, which we'll talk some about next week. But what kind of brother and sister are we? I mean, we're supposed to be discipling one another. We're supposed to be spurring one another on to, to better works. Are we a, a, a Joab who wants to agree with David when he disagrees with God? Are we a, a who's this? Abishai who disagrees with David when he agrees with God? Or are we going to be Nathan who agrees with David when he agrees with God and disagrees with David, when he disagrees with God. In other words, guys, are we willing to be the brother and sister that deals with that plank in our eye and help our brother deal with the speck in his? Amen? On page 163 in the story, and I love this. Sorry, brother. I love this. David writes, and if you read the Psalm 51, we're going to go through 1 through 17. This story, page 163, writes this in chronological order, and I really, really like that. Because when David has confessed to Nathan, he writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing, according to the world's unfailing love or the your unfailing love, right? According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transactions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. That's heavy. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and then renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast from me your presence or take, holy, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me not my salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Listen to what he said. Go back one more. Do this in me, God. Let me deal with this plank. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Very, very important. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, O oh God, will not despise. 